Hey, let's uh, go ahead and do Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Today we're going to talk about being generous. We're not talking about being generous to the church or in the offerings or in the tithes. But, you know, uh, Melissa just kind of laid something out there, so I might as well piggyback on that. Uh, and, and I'm looking across the congregation. I'm not worried about saying this because you are all good givers, okay? You can't, I, yeah, you can give more, but, you know, you're giving good. Let me put it that way. Um, how can you tell if you're generous? What's the gauge? What do you measure that up against? Do you measure it up against the giving of other people? Well, there's biblical examples that the Apostle Paul did that one church to another, yes. Do you measure it based on how much you have? Well, Jesus did that with the woman and the, the little mite that she had, and it was all she had. So Jesus said she gave more than what the guys who were giving a lot of money gave because it had to do with it was all she had. How, how do you gauge whether or not you're generous? Because God desires for each and every one of us to be like him, and he's very generous. And since Melissa hit on this, I'm just going to say this. Because it's true, you don't have to accept it, you know, you don't have to accept the truth if you don't want to accept the truth. But, but the Bible says that the tithe belongs to the Lord. And if we're not tithers, then we're probably not generous. Right? Because... You can't be generous if you're withholding something that doesn't belong to you. Now, I've been in a situation when we were very, very tight in funds and money came in from, from different, different resources to do a certain thing and we finally got enough to do the certain thing and then there was something on the inside of me that says, oh, maybe we can hold on to it just a little bit longer. Why? Because then I was tempted to say, well, this amount is kind of a reserve for me. This is kind, this I can trust in, this, this I can use at my discretion. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? And if you're not diligent with another man's, God says he won't give you your own. But if you're diligent with another man, then God said he will give you your own. If you're, if you're good with what you have, he's going to give you more. So guys, just, just before we even get to this, this whole concept of, of generosity, you, if, if you understand the tithe, okay, and you, you're not a tither, then you probably aren't generous. But please understand, I said, if you understand the tithe. Because, you know, your level of understanding is, is really, it has a lot to do with how we're judged by God. If, if we don't understand the tithe and we're not tithing, we probably have a little bit of grace. Are you hearing me? So, it, how can you tell if you're generous? Well, I know that if I give and then I regret after I give, I might not be generous. If I give and then I'm thinking about what that person or that organization is going to do in return for me, I might not be generous. Are you hearing me? If I give and I keep it in the back of my mind 
that, well, I gave to that person, I gave to that organization, so later on there's going to be, when I, when I ask you for a favor, you're going to come true. You see what I'm saying? If I, if I have a transactional mentality, which a lot of people, good people, have a transactional mentality, but if it gets into your giving, you, you're losing generosity. If I give, then later on, when I have a need, there's a doorway open. Yes, your gift will make room for you, but the expectation of man, making it mandatory probably means you're lacking a little bit of the generous heart. Now, here's the truth about everything in God. If he desires you to have faith, he puts his faith inside of you. If he desires you to be steadfast, he puts that ability to be steadfast within you. If he desires you to love, then he puts his love within you. And if he desires you to be generous, then something is inside of you by the Spirit of God that is very generous. And I would say if you are born of God, then you have experienced this many times where there's been the opportunity to give and you felt okay when you didn't and you even have reconciled in your mind that you're okay that you didn't, but you grieve the Spirit of God within you because the Spirit of God within you wanted you to be generous and you weren't. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Nod, please, if I, you do. That's because the Spirit of God within you is leading you into generosity. There, there are many, many laws of prosperity in the Word of God. Nearly over 40 that I have found, 40 laws of prosperity in the kingdom of God. There is, there is a seed, time, and harvest. That is where you plant a seed, time goes by, it grows, it matures, and it creates a harvest. So we have an increase of what we planted. That's, that's one law. There's the law of labor and wages. I exchange my labor for money. I exchange my labor for goods. There's also the law of giving and receiving. Why, why did you say that, Pastor Kenny? Because the first two laws are natural. I plant seed, then that seed dies and it germinates and it comes up, creates a plant. It gets nourishment from the ground and rain comes down from the sky to water it. And then it produces fruit and inside the fruit is more seed. So it's a multiplier. I eat the fruit, I plant the seed. Are you hearing me? That's a natural law. Some of us have problems accepting the natural law of seed, time, and harvest. Then there's the law of labor and wages. Okay, I am going to work for you for a day, and this is how much you'll pay me. I'm going to work to you. I'm going to do this job for you, and this is how much you'll pay me. I'll do this. this I'll, I'll mend your fence for you, and you're going to give me a used tractor in return. It's a law of labor. It's an exchange. Seed time and harvest is a conversion. They're natural laws, but the spiritual law of God in provoking the goodness of God and the blessing of God in your life is the law of, of giving and receiving. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. 
Because when you give something better than the law of seed, time, and harvest happens. When you give something better than the law of labor and wages happens. There is a multiplying effect in your life. As a matter of fact, in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, the word of God says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down shaken together to make room for more running over and poured into your lap the amount you give will determine the amount you get back so remember we were just ta- we're talking to the church right now okay i wouldn't talk this way to the world you understand that that you've already given back to the lord his part So now you have 90% of your increase, 90% of what has come in that that is new. 90% uh, is yours. But God says, now now you have the opportunity to provoke his goodness through the law of giving and receiving. We usually give to others. And the Bible is full of scripture. I don't need to read them. You, if you guys read the Bible, you read them every day. Giving to those who have a need. Giving to those who are in lack. Giving to those who are in poverty. Giving to those who can't give you anything back. Now, in the last 25 years, Nietzsche and I have, have found something to be true that is quite disturbing in the body of Christ. When we, when we started watching this, when we, when we became aware of it, and then we learned about it, it really, it really bothered us. It was almost like something that was poisonous that was happening in the body of Christ, but everybody celebrated it. And it goes on today. And it's this. Christians love to give to people who have, not to people who have not. I just, I just watched it with, with these speakers that came in, these international speakers, and people who have never met them wanted to give them things. We didn't want them to be overrun by things and cards and gifts. We, we just wanted it to be a simple trip for them, so we said, no, no, no. But see, that, that was a good example. People love to give to people who don't have needs. People love to give to people who are successful. But in the body of Christ, we don't like to give to the person who has that need because we say, oh, they're just going to squander it. They're just going to waste it. They're just going to take that $5 and instead of putting a gallon of gas in their car, they're going to get cigarettes or they're going to get a drink. That's what we say. But, but when we give to somebody who's a millionaire... We don't say those things. When we give to somebody who's successful, we celebrate the gift. Do you see the twistedness in that? And do you see the truth in that? Yes, we want to give into good soil. That, yes, that's true. It has to do with our, our motive. See, one has to do with giving to be promoted or giving to be seen. The other has to do with giving because you're generous and you value others. And what we've noticed in this type of corrupted, twisted, and it's good, but it's twisted giving, is it's not pure. 
It's self-promoting. It's done to be seen. It's done to be recognized. But you have to balance it with the truth. The Bible says your gift will what? Make room for you. Yes. But really when I'm giving, I'm not giving to open up a doorway into another man's life or influence. I should be giving to provoke God in his goodness to me. I shouldn't push open the door of favor with the gift. I should give knowing that God will increase the favor that goes before me. Are you understanding? God desires for each and every one of us to be generous. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your own interest, but take interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. How much did Jesus give? Well, when in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, but all things were created by the Word and through Him, He created the world and He gave it to you and to me. He created the universe and He gave it to you and to me. The only thing He had left was Himself and He gave it on the cross. He didn't hold out, He didn't hold any reserves. He didn't hold anything back from you or from me. He gave because he loves you. He gave. Now, that, okay, let's break that down. What does that mean, he loves you? Not only does he like you, he wants to make things better for you. He wants to add to you, even though it costs him everything that he has. He created to give. He was born to give. He died to give. He was resurrected so he could give the Holy Spirit to you and to me. He, 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 he's now ascended. He's, he's been glorified. And now he gives through the office of intercession and mediation. He's a giver. There is nothing that he won't give. The Bible says that God will withhold no good thing from you. So we should be like God. Now, we know we have to use wisdom. When, when we're talking about being generous, we're not talking about giving away the farm. We're talking about maybe giving some produce from the farm, keeping the farm, so unless God speaks to you, which would be very doubtful, but keeping the farm so that you can create more produce to give. As a matter of fact, when it comes to the tithe, the tithe mostly talked about what we produced. And it was at, if you were going to give it's, if you were going to give finances to the temple, you had to you were actually redeeming part of your produce or your cattle, and you had to add twenty percent of the value because money wasn't as much worth much back then as the produce or the cattle or the sheep. God wants you to be generous. So how can we how can we be generous? To be generous, we must value others. Say value. Do you really love people? If you really love people, then you'll care for them. 
And I'm not talking about care in your heart. I'm talking about you do something for them to add value to them, to make them feel better, to make their life more comfortable. If you really, if you really love somebody, if you really value somebody, then you're going to begin to care for them by doing something to add value to them, to add things to their life, to make their life smoother, to make their life better, to make their life easier. And usually it's going to make your life a little a bit more discomfortable. It's going to make it uncomfortable. It's going to make it harder because it'd be easier to it'd be easier to do with what you're going to give you if you had it in your own reserves. Are you hearing me? So so if you're going to add value to somebody in a God kind of way, usually that's going to cost you, but it's going to add to them. It will cost you, but if if you give something that doesn't mean anything to you, then it has really very little value for that other person as well. We have had people in the ministry, especially when the, when the church was crumbly, when the church wasn't looking at least this nice, when the church, you could see the, the, you could see the heavens and you could see the basement all from one shot back in those days. People would come with truckloads full of, junk and want to give it to the church and then they would ask for a written tax receipt so that they could take money off of their taxes for what they gave. In other words, it had no value for them anymore, but they thought, well, I can get some value out of it by giving it to somebody who will have to sort it and go through it and throw most of it away to keep one thing, but they get a tax receipt and they say, I'm a big giver, look at my tax receipt. And I'm like, uh, pretty soon we just said, we don't want it. Goodwill's out there for you. They'll sort it. Salvation Army is over there. They'll sort it. The Bible talks about the, the, the man who would come to the, the temple and he would give, he'd bring his calf for sacrifice. But he went through the lot and he found the one that was crippled. He found the one that had gangrene. He found the one that was blind and he brought it to the Lord and the Lord rejected the gift. Because whatever it is that you give, if you're generous, has to have value to you to add value to somebody else. Can I say that again? If you really love somebody, then you're going to care for them by giving them something of value, something that's going to increase their life, make their life better, make their life easier. But if it doesn't have value to them, it's not going to add value. If it doesn't have value to you, it's not going to add value to them. Don't give people your junk and say you're generous. Just because you lost 60 pounds doesn't mean that that sweatshirt that has six holes in it that you wore since you were at Iowa State University is going to be of value to anybody else. Just because you finally got new furniture and, and you know, you've got the one that has the pop stains on it and, and the chocolate stains and, and the, the potato chip grease stains chair. And you want to, hey, I know that you got a sober living house. Do you guys want this chair? No. I think you should burn it and burn it right now. But can you give me a tax receipt even if I burn it? No. God wants us to be generous. Luke chapter 638, remember it says, give and you will receive. To be generous, you must value others and what you give must have value. Because guess what? If you give junk, 
The amount you give will determine the amount you give back. I don't want a harvest of junk. I don't want a harvest of rusty cars. I don't want a harvest of broken TVs. If I'm going to get a harvest, I'm going to plant good seed. I'm not going to plant dandelions. Art, should I plant dandelions? No. I'm not going to plant cuckleberries. I'm not going to plant butter print. I'm going I'm, I'm to plant corn, and I'm going to plant soybeans because I want something of value that comes back. Whatever you plant, you're going to get. That's seed time and harvest. Whatever you give will be returned to you in the same measure. So if you give away a lot of junk, you're going to get a lot of junk. If you don't like the harvest that you're receiving in your life, you might want to look at the seed that you've planted over the last 10 years. To be generous, you must value others. Number two, to be generous, you must be provisionally minded. Everybody say provisional. I mean, let me, let me start with Hebrews eleven six, And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Did, did you catch that? There's two things there. It's not just believing that God is God. The demons believe that Jesus is the son of God, but they tremble. They, they don't get encouraged about it. They shake in fear. So it's not just the belief. God says you must not only believe that I am, you must believe that I reward those who seek me. In other words, if I'm seeking God, God's going to take care of me. If I'm doing the things that God wants, then God is going to take care of my needs and my wants. So many times in the world, and, and we've been trained this way, that, that our, our security is in what we have in reserve. Now, now that's okay. It's okay to have reserve. You should have reserve because a righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And so there's enough for his children and his grandchildren and those beyond. So yes, we should have something in reserve, but it's not for us, it's for others. Matter of fact, the Bible says that we work, this is what the word of God says in the New Testament, that we work so we have something to give to others. Because if we're seeking first the kingdom of God, he'll take care of all of our needs. So if we're provisionally minded, we're not looking at our job as our only source. We're not looking at our savings account and our investments as our only source. We're not looking at our real estate holdings as our only source. We're not looking at, at the contracts that we have lined up over the next three months as, as our only source. See, if we're provisionally minded, we're looking toward God as our source. And we say, thank you for using these things. But if these things dry up, I believe that you are and that you're going to reward me because I'm seeking you. And if these things dry up, you're going to create other avenues of income into my life. That's where my faith is. My faith is in you. That's why right up there it says Jesus is our Savior, our healer, our baptizer, and our provider. He is our provider. 
God wants you to have good things in your life so that you can be generous. Not so that you could be stingy and hoarded up. It's not about what you have. It's about what is flowing through you. And the more that you have flowing through you, here's what happens. You have a bigger reserve. It's not about, listen, please hear me. It's not about what's coming to you. It's about what's going through you. If God can get it through you, he will get it to you. If God can get provision through you to the needs of others, he's going to get finances, he's going to get substances, he's going to get commodities to you because he knows that you'll be a distributor of his goodness. Are you hearing me? God wants you to be generous. It's like the guy who trades stocks. He doesn't make money usually on the commission of the increase. He makes money on the trade. The commission on a lot of times would be much greater than what he makes on the trade. So what, what the, those guys who trade, they call it the juice. They make money on the juice because the pulp belongs to the investor. The major part of the finances and the increase belongs to the, the guy who's investing. But the guy who's actually doing the work of the trades, he makes a he makes dollar and a half, $5, $20 per trade. He, they call that the juice. I just, I just, I live off the juice. And that's the way we should be with God. It flows through us and we live off the juice. But instead, we're, li we're, we're living on the pulp. And we, sometimes we don't even give away the juice. Because we're not provisionally minded, we're, we're resource minded. Our provision is not in faith, it's, it's in our funds. If we're, if we're not generous, then what we're, we're seeking, what we're looking for is dollars and opportunities instead of looking for the kingdom of God. Are you hearing me? God wants us to be generous and to be generous. First, first we, must, we must value others. And secondly, we must be provisionally minded. Matthew chapter 6, 33 says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. Everybody say need. Seek first God's way. God is generous. God wants you to give. God wants you to use what you have to help others. God wants you to use what you have. Not all of it. Come on, just make it available. One of the hardest prayers I prayed when I went into ministry was, God, everything that I have and everything that I ever will have is, is yours to use. Duh. I don't know why I had to give, I had to give him permission. When I was younger, I was very successful in business in my 20s. And, and here's, how I, here's how I stepped out of the will of God. This is how I stepped out of the will of God. I knew I was supposed to be in ministry. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know how to do it. And I remember I was, I was doing very well in business. And I said, God, I just want to be a checkbook for you. 
I want to make so much money, Lord, that I can fund the things that you want to do. Now, in my case, that was because that wasn't my calling, was the, it was the most arrogant, proudful, ignorant things that I could say. Because in the Bible, the Bible says this, God says, if I were thirsty, I wouldn't ask you for a drink. If I were hungry, I wouldn't come to you for food. He said, I created the earth. The silver and the gold there of the earth, they belong to me. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Why would I come to you, little man, if I have a need? And I was saying, God, I want to become wealthy so I could be a checkbook for you. But when I, when I rededicated my life and I said, God, everything that I have and everything that I will be belongs to you. Use it however you want. I became a checkbook for God. You see the difference? It's an attitude of the heart. Now, some people can have that gift, but if they don't have the attitude of the heart right, it'll get all messed up. See, you can't be generous if you think you're the one that is providing the wealth. Remember, the word of God says that God gives you the ability to get wealth. Don't you forget. When you get wealthy and you're living in that big old fancy house, and you, that's what the word of God says, and you're, you're living in your big old fancy land, and you've got all of your cattle and all the things around you, he says, don't forget, it's the Lord your God who gives you the ability to get wealth. Don't, don't get proud. Stay humble. How, do you know, how can you stay humble? Then you, you give. If you give to be seen or you give to be recognized or you feel like you're of more value when you give, you probably aren't as generous as you are supposed to be. Should I say that again? If you give to be seen, if you give to be recognized or if you feel like you're of more value when you give, you probably need to work with the Spirit of God to become more generous. Because when you realize you're not the source, you're just giving what comes through you. I don't know about you, but every time that something very successful has happened in my life, it was God who guided me in connections, in calls, in, in, in direction, in asks, in, 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 in flexing influence, whatever it was. It was always God that led me through that. Don't ever forget, it's God who gives you the ability and the strength to get wealth. You do have to exert strength. You do have to exert your, your, your life force. You do have to spend. But here's the thing, if you're born again, you're not spending alone. You're not investing alone. It's not just your strength. God puts something on the top of it. He puts favor. He puts anointing. <laughs> he, he puts ability. And you, it increases the return. Press down, shaking together, and running over. Men will give unto your lap. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Are you ready? If you're going to be generous... If you're going to be generous, you have to value others. If you're going to be generous, you must be provisionally minded. If you're going to be generous, you need to understand perpetuating generosity. God believes in perpetuating generosity. Perpetuating generosity. 
perpetuating generosity. Why do you keep saying that? Because it's a big word. Perpetuating generosity. Let me explain the idea of perpetuating. If I had an electric car and I found a way that the energy that it, it took from the batteries to push the car down the road would be less than the energy that I could capture from the wheels turning and charge another battery. Are you hearing me? In other words, the wheels are turning, and while the wheels are turning, there's a little generator going. And as that generator is going, it's capturing, it's creating electricity, and it's being stored in other batteries. If the battery, if the batteries, the, if I'm storing more energy from driving than I am driving, I have perpetuating energy. Does that make sense? It will never run out. Perpetuating. As a matter of fact, if that, if that were possible, the more I would drive, the more energy I would have. Eventually, I could sell energy because I would have a surplus. As a matter of fact, if, 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 the, if the wheels were capturing because they're turning like a turbine and the generator's going and it's, it's capturing more electricity than I am pushing the car, it'd be like capturing, it'd be like driving downhill in an electric car. You're creating more energy than you are expending. And, and if that were the case, then I could take the excess energy and I could go to, to Lucas's car because Lucas's car isn't as good as mine and Lucas spends more energy in his car going to... I could give him, I could give him some of my energy. I could, I could charge his batteries with my extra, with my surplus, Right? I'm going to have, I'm always going to have more surplus because the more I drive, I, I'm producing more energy. Matter of fact, I might, as well just, I might as well just let people use my car to produce energy. I might be able to make a business out of it. If I could do that, then I could have some, I could come home and I could charge up a garage full of batteries and I could charge people to come and charge their cars. But I would, I would have so much energy that, that I, could, I could give it away. And then I could get tickled about giving it away. And I could think, wow, who, can, who else can I give? Who's the people, who needs it the most? I'm going I'm to go out looking for people to give this energy away to. I'm going to charge people's cars. Anybody that stops off, I'll put up a sign. Anybody that wants me to charge your car, come here because I've got more than I have need of. That's perpetuating generosity. God believes in perpetuating generosity. He says, hey, listen to this. Now, now, with that in mind, for God, this is 2 Corinthians 9, second part of verse 7. God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Are you hearing me? Then you have plenty, plenty, plenty left over to share with others. There's a guy named Kenneth Copeland. And it doesn't matter what you think about his doctrine. I'm going to tell you some facts. Kenneth Copeland um, really has this mentality of generosity. He loves to fly airplanes. 
The last time that I knew, he had, he had given away 27 airplanes to people who are, are running bush missionary type things, like in Africa and Central America and South America. He, and he, would, he, gave, he has given away 27 jets or airplanes to ministries who are running goods back and forth from the United States to other countries. As a matter of fact, he's become so generous that, that he has his own airstrip and he has his own, his own hangars. And when a missionary comes in from anywhere in the world on his airstrip, you know what he does? He takes their airplanes into their hangars and he refits and redoes their engines so they're top-notch when they leave. Sometimes he gives them brand new engines. He just has this generosity mindset. And I was down at his campus 10 years ago and, and touring, and they were telling me about uh, these buildings, and he had these three buildings out there, and, and, I, and I said, what are those? He said, those are, those are three engines, There's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I said, well, that's pretty cool. What do they do? And he said, well, when Brother Copeland first got this land, he knew that there was wealth underneath the ground. He didn't know what it was. And this was before anybody knew anything about fracking. And they started to develop fracking on his land. And they went in and they got natural gas to come up out of the ground. And, and he, he was selling natural gas. And he was, he was selling a lot of natural gas. And he got, he, he got to looking at his bills. And he, and he said, you know, my biggest expenses, because everything's paid for, and I'm selling natural gas. My biggest expense is electricity. He said, I would rather give away the money that I'm using to, to spend on electricity. How can, we, how can we fix this, boys? And he said, let's get you three engines, and they'll run on natural gas, the natural gas coming out of your ground, and you will produce your own electricity. So Brother Copeland said, yes, let's do that. And so they put these three engines in, and these three engines, matter of fact, I help it, my, my freshman my, my freshman year of college, the year before that, I worked in Truro, Iowa, and I installed three of these engines, helped install three of these engines before I went to college. So I know, I know what this is like. We were pumping natural gas. Well, you got to have a source of power to pump it. Well, they used the natural gas to create the electricity to push the power through, push the gas through. So they put these three engines in, and he's making, he's making, he's having more gas come through than, than, than what he has needed, so he's selling that. Then he has more electricity being produced than what he's using. And he cut a deal with, with Dallas-Fort Worth, the electrical company there, and he sells the excess to them. So instead of Brother Copeland paying for electricity, he gets paid every month for producing electricity from something that's coming out of his own ground. See, that's the way God works. Perpetuating generosity. That gives him more to give. That gives him more to give. He increases the seed. As the scripture says, they shall freely and generously give to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Now, verse 10. For God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and then the bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you'll be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. God wants to increase you. God wants to multiply back to you. God wants to see you have more than what you have need of. Why? So you can be generous. 
Guys, you cannot give what you do not have. You cannot give what you do not have. If you have the desire to give, if you have the desire to be generous, but you don't have the means, then something's out of whack. It probably has to do with not what you do, did today. It probably doesn't have to do with what you did yesterday. It probably has to do with what you did last year. Because remember in the beginning of this, we talked about seed. Look at me. Time and harvest. We got time in the middle here. We reap what we sow. Whether it's good or bad, it's usually not immediate. There's time in the middle. So it takes faith. And if you're going to be a generous person, you have to value others. If you're going to be a generous person, you have to be provisionally minded. If you're going to be a generous person, then you'll understand that generosity comes out of love. Last scripture, and we'll close. John 3, 16. For God, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son. Now, I know you've heard this scripture before. This is how God loved the world. He gave. This is how the church loves the world. We give. Who did God give the, who did God give the son to? Did he give the son to the church? He gave the son to the world. If our generosity is only in the church, nobody will ever see God in you. If the only people we care for is in the church, nobody will ever see God through you. Generosity is a matter of the heart. And it stays in the heart until we begin to care for others. We subtract value from us and we add value to somebody else. Would you guys pray with me this morning? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. We know it's challenging. But Lord, we also know if we're to give, we're to give being spiritually led. So I ask that you'd increase, increase within us the voice of your spirit, the leading of your spirit when it comes to seeing the needs of others. I thank you for it, Lord Jesus. Now this morning in your heart, God gave his son to die on the cross for you and for me. So that the penalty or the punishment for our sin would be upon him and not upon us. That's how he gives. He gives what he has to satisfy our need. He gives what he has to satisfy our debt. He gives what he has to fill our life with good things because he is a good God. But the doorway into God's generosity begins with accepting the free gift of his son, Jesus Christ. 
You make Jesus the Lord of your life. Here's what you do. You say, God, I do believe in you. I do believe that God, that you raised Jesus from the dead, but, but I need you to fill me with his spirit. I need you to lead me. I need you to guide me. And I'm going to follow you. And I'm going to do my best to please you. That's what Lord means. If you make Jesus your Lord, you're trying to follow him where he leads. And you do your best to please him. You want to make Jesus the Lord of your life this morning? Nobody's looking around. Just, just raise up your hand right now. Or if you're watching online, just acknowledge that by lifting your hand. God knows. God sees. Pray this prayer with me this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe in your son Jesus. I believe you raised him from the dead. I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to please you, Jesus. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your faith. Fill me with your generosity. In Jesus' name, amen.